0: Before we get to today's show, I'd like to hear from you. This show is nothing without our listeners. and We want to make sure we provide you with what you're looking for. Our mailbox is open to all suggestions. So if you have a topic you want to learn about, or a guest you want to hear from, let us know by sending us an email to health and Wellness at gmail.com. That's c h a g a h e a l t h n w-e-l-l-n-e-s-s at gmail.com now enjoy the episode what brings people together more than fishing and hunting how about food i'm chef antonio malaka and i've spent years catering to the stars Now, on Outdoor Journal Radio's Eat and Wild podcast, Luigi Hookset, and I are bringing our expertise and Rolodex to our real passion, the outdoors. Each week, we're bringing you inside the boat, tree stand, or duck blind and giving you real advice that you can use to make the most out of your fish and game. You're going to flip that duck breast over once you get a nice hard sear on that breast. You don't want to sear the actual meat. And it's not just us chatting here. If you can name a celebrity, we've probably worked with them. And I think you might be surprised who likes to hunt and fish. When Kit Harrington asks me to prepare him sashimi with his bass, I couldn't say no. Whatever Taylor Sheridan wanted, I made sure I had it. Burgers, steak, anything off the barbecue, that's a true cowboy. All Jeremy Renner wanted to have was lemon ginger shots all day. Find Eating Wild now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. As the world gets louder and louder, the lessons of our natural world become harder and harder to hear, but they are still available to those who know where to listen. I'm Gerry Olette, and I was honoured to serve as Ontario's Minister of Natural Resources. However, my journey into the woods didn't come from politics. Rather, it came from my time in the bush and a mushroom. In 2015, I was introduced to the birch-hungry fungus known as chaga, a tree cong with centuries of medicinal applications used by Indigenous peoples all over the globe. After nearly a decade of harvest, use, testimonials and research, my skepticism has faded to obsession, and I now spend my life dedicated to improving the lives of others through natural means. But that's not what the show is about. My pursuit of this strange mushroom And my passion for the outdoors has brought me to the places and around the people that are shaped by our natural world. On Outdoor Journal Radio's Under the Canopy podcast, I'm going to take you along with me to see the places, meet the people that will help you find your outdoor passion and help you live a life close to nature and under the canopy. So join me today for another great episode and hopefully... We can inspire a few more people to live their lives under the canopy. Okay, welcome to another episode of Harvest Time. This time we're going to talk about something a little bit different. This one, it's about mullen, okay, which is typically everybody would consider it a weed. When you see it in your lawn, you're thinking you got this weed. It's an unusual plant. And I gotta tell you, when I was a kid, Growing up, I'd be saying, hey, mom, we're going down to the creek. It's okay. Be home for supper. Well, you'd head down to the creek, you know, across the road, across the main street, down past the school, down through the fields and into the creek, which is all built up right now. And of course, the first thing that happens is you got to go. Mother Nature's calling and you're looking around. Of course, you're a kid. You're not bringing any TP toilet paper that is. You're looking around, looking around, and there it is. The cowboy toilet paper mullen. Well, it uh, certainly had an experience when we were kids, so it's been around for a long time. And, you know, we had Bev, the master gardener, on a couple of shows now, and she mentioned mullen in one of them. And I believe she was saying that the mullen seeds actually live for about uh, 30 years, I believe it was, which was kind of interesting. And... The, um, the mullen has a long history from all around the world. It actually, let me see here, we can figure this out. I got a study on it uh, that mentions, okay, it was famous among the Greeks that Ulysses took this plant to protect him against the wiles of Syria. And the Greeks and Romans, the people of western United States, knew it as a candle torch and they used it at uh, funerals and other holy ceremonies and what they used to do is the, they would take the uh, the mullen and we'll describe it so you know what we're talking about a little bit uh, they would take the mullen and they would soak the the leaves or the top of it in a tallow and light that on fire and it would last for a quite a period of time so mullen actually grows in all around the world and it's a two-year plant so basically it, it grows over a two year period and for those that know what it's about it's it's a medicinal plant that has a lot of great things about it it it's used as a, a lung tonic or that deals with people with asthma and bronchitis and laryngitis and, and things like that. What it helps do is it helps clear the lungs and, and bring phlegm out. Now, remember, we're not a doctor, can't give medical advice, and so always check with a healthcare professional to make sure you're following it. But when you start to look up this stuff, you find it, probably like myself, very interesting. You know, I saw a claim, uh, a claim earlier that suggested that a uh, study showed that 8 out of 10 people that had uh, TB, tuberculosis, cases were were corrected or cured. But I've seen that on a number of videos out there, but I have not found any research studies that verify that. So those are just some of the things that we hear about it. Now, mullen is it's a two-year plant, and in the first year, it grows basically as um, low to the ground. It's kind of a sage green in color. It stands out because it's kind of a, like a, a very pale green color. And it grows kind of in a rosette sort of stage. And that's what they call year one. And that's the ideal time to collect these leaves. So what you do is is you take the the kind of, they're, they're almost, and I'm holding one in my hand right now. And it's kind of, like I said, a sage green. So a very light, pale green. And very, very soft. And it looks like it's got a fuzz in it. Like the leaves are very, very fuzzy. That's why we use it as TP as kids. Because it worked great. And... The other thing is is once the stock starts to grow, you can still harvest the leaves. And you want to harvest leaves that are essentially not... Because you'll notice on the plant that sometimes the outer leaves start to die off and they turn kind of a, a tan color. Those ones don't have the medicinal applications in it. It's found out through all across North America. It's not native to North America. It's found in Europe and North Africa as well. And most of the time you'll find it in disturbed soils and what I mean by that is is you'll find it along roadways and ditches or uh, along the sides of paths or areas that have been turned up or there's uh, machinery gone over and kind of dug them up it seems to to the bring the seeds out because as master gardener Bev mentioned it lasted for basically over like a 30-year period those seeds will live and it stirs it up and it brings it up. And it's kind of a rocky or a sandy or a gravelly soil that we we find it more in. As a matter of fact, we were up at, um, up um, near our, our camp, which is up near Bancroft in Ontario. And uh, the neighbor lost his, his his camp burned down. He had a his cottage burned down. He had a fire um, that started in his battery room with his solar panels. He was completely off-grid. And when we went over, we were over by there this fall and the area where they had cleared out the old cottage was just mullen growing all over the place. It was like amazing to see. And then and Rolly, a buddy says, hey, look, look at all the mullen everywhere. And it was first year. So, you know, it just come up and you can tell because during the second year, it starts to grow a single stalk up the middle of it. And these stalks can grow up to about eight feet tall. And it kind of looks like a, a, like an old corn stalk, I guess would be the best way to say it. But it's hard to say because different mullein seeds will give you a different look. I've seen ones where leaves have gone all the way up the stalk or I've seen it where the leaves were just at the base and the stalk kind of comes up and there's no leaves with it at all as well. But if you look at it, like I said, it's, it's very soft and it has like these little hairs on it. And some of the things that uh, people use it for, Is actually, they'll put it inside as a um, a liner in your uh, shoes because it's soft, it's comfortable, and it helps keep your feet warm. And it has a very nice uh, feeling to it. I've tried it a couple times after, again, Master Gardener Bev uh, told us about that. I tried it once just to see what it was like, cut it to fit my shoe and put it in. And yeah, it was kind of interesting. I don't know as it had a medicinal application doing that. But the one thing about it was it was very interesting and felt very nice. It felt like a a, an insole that I'd put into and it gives cushioning and it gives more airspace and just uh, helps do with the, the insole aspect of being very comfortable. Yeah, so we find it in disturbed soils, but one of the the key things I always found is we always find it in basically a full sun area. I know up in my camp, we've got uh, first year mullein growing up there with huge leaves. So these leaves on the first year ones that we see, they all have that kind of rosette center of it, uh, low to the ground, same color, but uh, some of the leaves get to be about. Uh, I think these leaves were about probably eight to twelve inches long, which fill out for for an insole very nicely. So you pick a lot of those, and it um, it you dry those, and what you need to do is um, if you if you break it. If you break the mullen down the center, down the uh, the center spine of the leaf, you'll see that um, it has kind of a, a musty or a, a dusky kind of smell to it. There's not a lot of smell to it. It's not a an aromatic one. And some of the other stuff that people get concerned is there. Is there other ones that look like it? There's something called lamb's ear. Now, lamb's ear would look like a very very young mullen, and maybe a little bit hard to distinguish for some people, but once if you go on you if you do a search and find you'll find a number of images for it and actually I'll tell you what I'll actually put some images on my my Chaga Health and Wellness website and you can take a look at first year Mullen there and it uh give you a pretty good image of what first year Mullen looks like so now. The second year, it grows a, a large stalk, like I said, and the flowers will be produced on it, and they produce these yellow flowers. Once the flowers come out, then a lot of the herbalists will tell you that the medicinal application found within the, the plant is nowhere near what it is in first year or second year ones before they bloom. It seems that all the plant energy goes into the flowers to produce the seeds. But there's a, another side to that as well. So the flowers, which come out as a very yellow flower, at the top, a lot of people will pick those flowers and they will put them in a jar. They take them, and once you've got a jar packed with them, they fill the jar with olive oil, and they will let that sit as a basically as a tincture extraction, and then use and they'll let it sit from anywhere from three to six to eight weeks in the jar, and. What it does do is extracts some materials from the flower itself. And the research shows that it potentially has the ability to work for people with earaches or dogs and cats. As that one study that I mentioned earlier, where I uh, found the details about uh, the Greeks and Ulysses using it. Now, this study is called uh, Common Mullen Pharmacological and Chemical Aspects. And it was produced and uh, published in 2013, this one. There's quite a few articles. And the place to look for some of these articles, I use two key areas when I'm doing research. One is called Science Direct, and that's where I found this one. And the other one is PubMed, P-U-B-M-E-D. And the other one is Science Direct. And all you do is you go you go on, and then in the search bar you'll put in Mullen or whichever you're looking up. And it kind of gives you... and. The thing with these research studies, when you're looking at a research study, take a look not only at the study itself, but look at the references used to write the study. You know, when we were Minister of Natural Resources, that was one of the key things you learn. Before you even read a study, look at the references to determine the how applicable it is to you. So if all the research was done basically in another country and it doesn't pertain to what we're looking at, then it's not quite the same and not as applicable as it is to one's found all around the world, or have a lot of uh, different aspects. So, you know, I'm looking at this research study as I just mentioned, and it talks about dental treatment in medieval England for with the use of common mullen, which is very interesting. So, it showed in that study there that uh, it uh, infusion of flowers and olive oil is used as earache drops, and it also talked about uh, general use, um, the leaves. Of the mullen are used uh, to insulate shoes to keep feet warm is one of the general uses. Now the other aspect with mullen was that it uh, you take the leaves and then you need to dry the leaves. you need to break that chemical bond. And a lot of times we use a dehydrator is the best around a uh, 100 degrees. So I'll cut the leaves up and basically about, Oh, say one inch square. And I have to tell you, last week I picked a, a package of leaves and sent them out to my sister who's dealing with um, a big lung infection right now. And she lives in uh, just outside of Brandon, Manitoba. Now, I didn't get a chance to dry them for her, but she should receive them probably tomorrow. And I'll give her the instructions to dry it. Now, she won't have a dehydrator as I have. But uh, what you do is, does is just uh, cut them up into about oh, one-inch squares or one, two-inch squares, depending on the size of your leaf. And put them in, the, uh, preheat the oven. If you can get it to, your oven goes to 100, put it to 100, and then put them in the oven and let them dry. And once they come out, you'll have broken the chemical bond and it'll allow to, it to extract more of the medicinal aspects out of it that can be used in as a medicine. So that's one of the key ways to to get it down to about 100 degrees because a lot of research, and and I know with the Chaga, we have some research where it's not verified, although the one study out of Vitality magazine that I give to people says that try not to take it over 140 degrees because, and that's uh, Fahrenheit, because it could kill off any of the medicinal applications or benefits that it potentially may have. And the difficulty with that is that there's no studies to verify that. And I'm sure it's the same, at least one I can find, with mullein. So that's why they suggest at 100 degrees to maintain the medicinal applications without killing off any of the benefits. Then, once you've taken it, okay, you've got it dried now, and you'll know when it's dry because you can feel it almost crumbles in your hand, basically. You'll take a, a small handful of that and put it in a liter of boiling water, And then have that in a container with a lid, and then let it steep for three to four hours. And then what you want to do is strain it out, but use a paper or a cloth filter to get, as I mentioned before when I was describing it, it's kind of like it's like fuzzy or like uh, very small hairs on it because. I met one guy. I was doing an event in Peterborough. He said, "Yeah, he was using Mullen because I had some up there on display." He says he uses it all the time, but the first time he learned, he didn't strain it through a filter, so he got all these fuzzy little hairs or these um, fibers in his tea, and it caused more of an irritation in his throat. So we recommend to to filter that out because it can irritate it. So once you've taken your leader with your that and you've had it there and cooled for. Uh, three to four hours then you can have two to three cups a day and normally i suggest having one cup every eight hours because the body naturally flushes out a lot of these things over an eight hour period so when people use it as i mentioned before about a lot of different aspects and i'll give you a, a bit of a background so on that same study it talks about the Uh, The whole plant was used in Ireland as a remedy for the treatment of tuberculosis. And that was printed in 2004. And it talks about the medicinal uses, eardrops for cats and dogs. And that was a study that was done in Canada in 2008. And then the flowers and leaves, inflammatory ailments in respiratory tract and others was a study done in Mexico. And flowers were used for respiratory tonic for ruminants in British Columbia and it goes into a lot of details. But typically it does with a lot of chest infections and it helps clear out a lot of the mucus and the phlegm there. And remember we're not doctors, can't give medical advice. Do your research. And one of the things you want to do is if you want to find out if you have an allergy to it and this is one of the, the ways to test but always check with a healthcare professional when you're doing these things is take the uh, one of the leaves Break the, the the leaf so that the center section is broken and you've broken that core. And then rub it on the inside of your arm above your wrist. And if you start to have a reaction, then you know it's not for you. However, if you don't, it could indicate that uh, you don't have any problems with it. And that way, you can drink consume it as a tea. Now, others will make a tincture out of it. And a tincture basically is, for those that know, when um, they try vanilla extract is one of the perfect examples. What they do is they take the vanilla beans and then they process them or cut them up into smaller pieces. Or I'm not sure, I've not seen how they do it commercially, but I imagine it's like I love a lot of others. They get small pieces and then they'll soak that vanilla in alcohol. And here in Ontario, you can't get uh, 100% alcohol like you can in in some places like you can in the States or 80%. So in Ontario, a lot suggest using a high-grade vodka. And what they do is then they'll let that sit in a jar in a cool place and they shake it or stir it up in the same way you do with a Chaga tincture. You fill the jar with five-eighths of Chaga, do the same thing with this, and pour vodka in it and let it sit for basically about six to eight weeks. The longer it sits, the more it's going to extract. You shake it or stir it up a couple weeks. So you've got a jar five-eighths full of the chaga or, in this case, the mullen, And then you fill it up completely with with vodka. Let it sit to eight weeks. And then, in the case of mullen, you strain that out. And the same with the chaga. And it'll make a high concentration of materials, which has a very, very strong uh, application. And basically what you do then is you make sure you filter out the leaves to get rid of all the, those little tiny fibers or hairs on it. And you can take six to eight drops a couple times a day. And tinctures work very well, but they just operate differently. I know with chaga, it extracts different materials out of the chaga. But with the mullen, it essentially extracts a, quite a bit of material. And uses, as I mentioned, I, I mentioned the study there, for lung damage repairs, keeps the lungs healthy. And similar plants, like I said, the ones to watch out for are lambs ear. But it works great. It, uh, I, I've met uh, my buddy, Rolly. He uh, showed up at uh, my camp, my cottage, and says, oh, look at the mullein you got here. He says, oh, can I get some? Because I don't have leaves that big. So what we do is now at home, I've got some mullein stock. And I will take those seeds from that mullein. And I will save those. And use those and give them out to people so that they can plant their own. And probably, to be perfectly honest, uh, I may be able to collect enough. I know I've got enough stinging nettle seeds that I'll give out samples of seeds to to people at the this year's a twenty twenty four sportsman show and give people a little uh, stinging nettle. And I may be able to collect enough mullein seeds for people that they'll be able to plant their own. So it's a two year plant. It's very identifiable. It has a lot of medicinal applications uh, pertaining to the lungs. My buddy, Roley, as I was leading to, he uses it for his coughs, his colds, and his infections. And he collects jars of it, puts it in the jar, and lets it sit, along with a lot of the other uh, organic farmers that I've met do the same thing and have great results, and they swear by it. This is just uh, another aspect of things that we find out in nature that has a lot of benefits to it. Mullein has a lot of antioxidant activities. It's a wound healing activity is listed in this study. And antiviral and antimicrobial activities. Now, if you're not used to reading studies, the thing to do is print your study off or or bring it up. Look at the abstract and the introduction. Read the, the discussions and the conclusions to it. And it'll give you a good understanding. So, in this one here, the, the, the conclusion was the information presented in this review shows the potential pharmacological importance of, in this case, it's, it's common mullein and its role in improving health. It is an important source of minerals and vitamins and healthy promoting fatty acids. The presence of glycosides and saprons and a broad spectrum of pharmacological activities indicates the potential of this species for treatment. In various chronic disease and highlights the need for well-designed clinical trials to rationalize the traditional use. Anyways, it's been around for a long time. It goes right back to the Greek and Roman times that uh, we mentioned earlier, and it's still in this area and it's easy to find. And it's another aspect of things you can find under the canopy. Hi everybody, I'm Angelo Viola. And I'm Pete Bowman. Now you might know us as the hosts of Canada's Favorite Fishing Show, but now we're hosting a podcast. That's right. Every Thursday, Angelo and I will be right here, in your ears, bringing you a brand new episode of Outdoor Journal Radio. Hmm. Now what are we going to talk about for two hours every week? Well, you know there's going to be a lot of fishing. I knew exactly where those fish were going to be and how to catch them, and they were easy to catch. Yeah, but it's not just a fishing show. We're going to be talking to people from all facets of the outdoors. From athletes... All the other guys would go golfing. Me and Garth and Turk, and all the Russians would go fishing. To scientists... But now that we're reforesting and letting things it's the perfect transmission environment for life. To chefs... If any game isn't cooked properly... Marinated. You will taste it. And whoever else will pick up the phone... Wherever you are, Outdoor Journal Radio seeks to answer the questions and tell the stories of all those who enjoy being outside. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.